1: 35 yards, Goff deep again wide open making the grab and taking it in his St. Brown. Second and goal. Love's gonna keep it himself. Touchdown, Green Bay. Here it is again.
2: You heard Eck talking about it. Here's the foul on Walker but you talk about a late flag. to The Lions own the NFC North. Detroit takes care of business in Lambeau. Their fourth straight win against the Packers. The second straight time they put a hurt on him on national television. These are new times. And you can tell that a Packers fan, big funk Randy Chavez, put that highlight package together because he included a Packers penalty to finish it. That led to uh, the game-sealing touchdown by uh, David Montgomery, his third of the night. I'm Greg Rosenthal, talking TNF with a new friend of the pod. Very excited uh, to welcome J.P. Acosta to the show. He does great work over at SB Nation. J.P., we get, we got a pretty good one for you for your first time on the Around the NFL
0: podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. This is a fun one because this is right up my alley. This is this is Lions offensive line run run the rock establish that defensive lines playing great. This is right up my alley. Wow.
2: What you're a, you're like a you're a Dan Campbell tough guy. I want to run the ball. How many times did he do it tonight? Forty three times, and and just dominate the line of scrimmage. That's
0: your game. That's right. That's right. Football is won and lost in, on the line of scrimmage. And Dan Campbell made sure to put an emphasis on that going into this game. <laughs>
2: uh, you're absolutely right. Although I'm going to start on the defensive side and and they won it up front there, too. Uh, we can go in a lot of directions here and we will. We're going to go over this game. It, it was a lot of fun if you're like me and have been loving this Lions rise over the last two seasons. But I, I think we got to start with. The first 22 plays that the Packers ran on offense, which got us almost to halftime. Those 22 plays, JP gained one, gained a negative yard. They did not gain a yard in their first 22 plays. At that point in the game, it was 27 to three. Uh, the game was all but over. The Packers, you know, did what they've been doing the last couple of weeks. Made it a little interesting in the second half. Uh, But tell me from your vantage point what you saw, what they did in that first half defensively that just made the Packers look like they didn't even belong on the field with Detroit. It was so
0: interesting just for a Packers offensive line that did not allow a lot of pressure through the first few games of the season, just look completely overwhelmed against a Detroit Lions front that we remember a couple weeks ago did not look that great against the Seattle Seahawks. Like this is a this is the second week out of two weeks that the Lions have looked really good up front, and I think it kind of has to do with the the development and the growth of the young guys they have on that side of the ball. We all know about Aiden Hutchinson the way that he's playing to start this season. One of the things that, I, that I've enjoyed that they're doing is moving him inside. You just be, basically matchup hunt. Find the best way to get your guys ISO'd on their weakest links. And that's something that the Lions are doing right now. Aleem McNeil is playing fantastic football to start the season at defensive tackle. But it's not even those guys. You're getting good play from Benito Jones. Isaiah Bugs doing really good things in the run game. So basically, you've taken the Packers' entire outside zone boot action. You've negated that because they cannot run the ball. Mm. So you're forcing uh, Jordan Love to essentially become a primary drop back passer, forcing him to make the throws, and then on the back end, you know those guys are playing really well. I think that Jordan Love sailed a few passes early. It's it's still very clear that he still needs time to actually like play the games to to get more get his feet wet a little more. But it's really just the domination up front. It's it's been a long time since I've seen the Packers. Look so overwhelmed up front, especially by a Detroit Lions football team. <laughs> I I couldn't agree more because
2: you're right. Even in this four game winning streak, it's the Packers' offensive line has mostly been uh, a mainstay. Tonight they were without Bakhtiari again. He was placed on injured reserve actually since we last taped a podcast, so that means he's he's gonna miss at least a few more games. That, that's a big big let down for them and raises a whole lot of questions about his contract and all this other stuff we don't need to get into. They're also without El- Elton Jenkins and you mentioned it and this is why I wanted you on JP Goes Deep. Check out it. Check him out on X on Twitter um, and he's breaking down a McNeil earlier this week who is coming off a big time game and he's just throwing out bugs and I'll throw out, you know, Kaminsky had a nice um, stop on that two-point conversion and they're winning their one-on-one matchups. Charles Harris had a play. I mean, they Isaiah Bugs wasn't even active a couple weeks ago. So that's the depth that I think Campbell and Brad Holmes, when they're putting this team together, really wanted. And it, what's impressed me in this 3 and one start, and I do want to stay on the defense for now, is they've had injuries. They've had injuries on both sides, but they've especially had injuries on defense. And they've kind of built a roster that can withstand it. And they, they had one bad week, really, against Seattle, uh, where they got it handed to them for the most part. Uh, defensively. But other than that, man, this is this is a different defense. Those guys are tough up front. They're going to make it very tough to run the ball. And they barely even tried with, with Aaron Jones uh, and A.J. Dillon. And by the time they tried, the game was essentially over. And they've been able to withstand injuries on the back end. And that that's impressive. That That's team building. And that's depth because they don't really have superstars. They just have good players. Like Derek Barnes has been flashing to me all season. Like he's not a guy I ever really paid that much attention to. But he's been a great run stopper. And just at each spot, it's like they have guys that make sense.
0: Exactly. It's more, they're more, they're not individual stars, like you said. But they're much more than the sum. They're, they're basically – they are, they work as a team, you know. I think the team defense up front has been so – played so well. I noticed it's against Atlanta. The Atlanta game was really a huge test for them going into this game because both these teams want to run the ball. They want to be physical with you up front. And the Lions basically just lined up and kicked their butts the entire mm. game. It was It was wild. To see this team just essentially go in and be like, yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna line up and you're not gonna be able to block us. And like you said, Derek Barnes playing great football. I think Jack Campbell has had really nice moments in the run and pass game. They lined him up on the edge on early downs because you know with James Houston out for a long time with an ankle injury, they lined Jack Campbell up down on the edge on early downs, which I thought was kind of interesting. They did it a little bit last week i think it's kind of due to their lack of depth out on the edge but i was like okay i'll put a little pin in that you know maybe, maybe <laughs> it can work i mean jack campbell's like 6 5 240 maybe this will be a thing that they just keep doing but they're working with the pieces that they have and they're turning it into a machine up front
2: it, it's like what you want out of team building because they stuck with aaron glenn who, who's always thought to be a, a really promising defensive coordinator, a guy they really believed in. And the results, because of the roster and because they were putting it together, weren't really there the first couple of years. And you're seeing it to come together. So I love when that happens. This is year three of their program, and and they've pretty much done it. And, yeah, it's funny. I actually remember when they call. I, I remember the, the call where they call Campbell when he was drafted. They actually asked him. Like if he would want, ever want to line up as, you know, you want to line up on the edge a little bit, you think you can do that? And he said, yeah, I'll do whatever. So uh, they're putting into motion. They, they get creative. And uh, I guess let's flip it to, to the Packers offense. Love, his experience to me is a little bit like the Packers in general this season. Like they are Jordan Love. They're like all or nothing. They're like either falling down. 17-0 against the Saints, or they're coming back in this game. You know, they were pretty good in the third quarter of this game. They made it interesting. There was a moment there where it, they had a two-point conversion that would have cut it to one score. So so that they got back into it. Against the Falcons, the, the Packers uh, were way ahead, and then they blew that lead in the fourth quarter. And that's that's Jordan Love to me right now. Everything is either like a big time throw and you're just like, wow, that that is impressive. And when he runs, i I think, wow, he's a better runner than than I expected. But the other stuff is just like the throws are either way off, or it's you saw tonight when he really faced a good front for the first time under pressure. It was just taking a little too long for the, the gears to grind and, and just
0: taking some bad sacks. It was it was an up and down performance for Jordan Love. I think there was some stuff they kind of did pretty well. I think in the second half they started to put together some drives. He started to play a little better under pressure. But I think an even larger issue than Jordan Love is kind of just—I hate to say the offense in general—but you know, at halftime, AJ Dillon was third on the team in routes run. Like that's, mm. that's an issue for this team going forward. You can't have AJ Dillon out there running all these routes. Aaron Jones the Aaron Jones usage has been weird for the entire season I know he's been injured but seven snaps five routes run at halftime and one target that's not going to get it done for the best offensive player on your team you have to find a way to consistently get him involved I know that the run game wasn't working as much because the offensive line wasn't as good but you have to find a way to get him involved you have to find a way to make it a little easier for this young quarterback
2: yeah maybe I'll give Lafleur the benefit of the doubt or with usage because yeah Jones was a little in and out in that first week too, and then he missed a couple week and maybe they were just easing him back into the lineup tonight. Christian Watson also returned, which was a good sign, didn't get a chance to make many catches, four targets two two catches twenty five yards he did have a touchdown. Uh, on a good play call right at the goal line where, where he was wide open and had one other play. I tried to keep an eye on him because uh, I'm watching. Do you watch the Prime Vision? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I know you do. You're a dork. You're a dork. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I love it. Like, I wish I wish I had that option for every game, but I especially like it on these Thursday nights just as a changeup. Um, so you can watch the route. Sometimes you lose track of what's going on up front. But I was trying to watch Watson, and to me, he he looked good. And it's just crazy, though, you're counting on this guy from – where was it? North Dakota State. Uh, that he's like your true one with the most experience, and he's like a second second year player. I, I think Dobbs has looked good this year, and Jaden Reed made it a couple of plays, but I just think this team's going to be better in December offensively than they are right now.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to take a lot of time, especially if Batiari is indeed done for the season, because that's a massive piece that you were hoping. Like the optimism for the Packers going into the season was okay. Everybody on the offensive line is going to be healthy, and now four games into the season, Jenkins is hurt. Bakhtiari is on IR, and so those are two immediately out the window. So you just yeah, need I, to get have
2: it. you heard anything on Bakhtiari or something? Is there is there a is there talk that he might be out for more? Because this this news happened today, and I was surprised to see it.
0: So I saw he was on IR. I saw he had he went under arthroscopic knee surgery, mm. which I mean, if you want to hold him out for four games after knee surgery, like. I don't know if he's coming back. I really don't. It's the, the whole Bakhtiari thing has been very weird. I think he's been adamant about not playing on turf, which yeah, I understand not wanting to play on turf, but he's also the fourth highest paid offensive tackle in the NFL. So you need we gotta actually have him playing games. And he's played one of the first four games of the season. That's not a great number. Mm. So it's just it's just been a very weird Weird time for David it post, like, 2020.
2: Okay, I am looking, and, and I see, I missed this. Rap Sheet, uh, our guy at NFL Network, Ian Rapport said the latest surgery is probably a precursor for a bigger surgery later. And there's all sorts of cap implications, and they're going to have to eat um, a dead cap hit if he's not on the roster next year, no matter what. Uh, it's unfortunate you, you hate to see a guy who... Was on a Hall of Fame trajectory and actually will still even have a, a case for it. Really have his career cut short, but for for this year, man, that that's gonna hurt the Packers who until this week hadn't really played a good pass rush, and that's why those those numbers, including Jordan's love numbers, that was was kind of looking a little side-eyed just because they hadn't played a team. Um, They played the Saints last week, um, but I don't think of the Saints as an elite pass rush. I think of them as a good defense. Uh, But this week you saw it kind of come home to to roost. Let's flip it to the other side. Let's talk about some Ben Johnson. Give me your Ben Johnson take because I I thought, like most games, he had just a couple plays in this game. I I love the overall philosophy, but a couple individual plays in this game where it's just like he won and he got his team points.
0: One of my favorite play calls that they had is the Khalif Raymond reverse where Jared Goff ends up getting steamrolled by this edge rusher. I think it's Kingsley and Gabare, but it ends up going for 30 yards because everybody else on the other side of the field. And you have Panay Sewell leading out in front of you. That's mm-hmm. what Ben Johnson can do. They have their bread and butter up front with the offensive line. That's going to raise the floor of this offense. I say it a lot about the Eagles offensive line, but the Lions are right there as well. That is a game-changing positional group. They can slow a game down if they want. They can completely flip the momentum of a game if they choose to, and they did it tonight. I think the Packers have been really bad defending the run out of their base personnel this year, and the Lions was like, yeah, we're just going to get big, and you're not going to be able to stop us. They dominated in the run game. It was great to see Jonah Jackson play as well as he did. Taylor Decker on one leg still looked really well. And Panay Sewell, I feel like every time they need a big run or they need a big play, you run behind 58, and it works most of the time. But you still see what Ben Johnson can do in terms of coaxing a little more aggression out of Jared Goff. He gets them to kind of play a little bit outside of his shell. Yeah. It was a lot of quick passing still, but you could see the gears kind of turning for Jared Goff. Be like, okay. I can hit this throw downfield if I if I want it. He's all I said on Twitter. He's like the king of the twelve yard dig, and that's what they've built the offense around. They know that that's his comfort, that's his bread and butter. Build it around him. Yeah, I want to get to what you
2: said on Johnson in a second, but while while we're on golf, look, he had a bad interception early. Uh, quickly bounced back. Had some really nice, accurate throws. Um, one of those digs, I think it was to Laporta, a nice touch pass down the sideline to Reynolds where Reynolds made a couple of just fantastic uh, catches in this game. They're just getting contributions out of everyone. But the one thing I've noticed, and, and I know Jared Goff has worked on this, and it's only going to work so much, but you are getting like one pretty good second reaction play a week from Jared Goff. And it's like, okay. I see that, Jared Goff, because I didn't even get – you weren't even getting that one, I don't think, in Los Angeles. And he's worked on it where in one of them – I'm trying to think which play. Was it the, the play, to, uh, a play where he's rolling to, to Reynolds wh- where he got it? It's like you're getting kind of one – like the play breaks down and Jared Goff makes a play a week. And that, I'll take it. I'll take it.
0: Yeah, it was, a, um, it was a rollout where he's getting pressured, rolls to his left, flips back, and he throws yes. it to Sam LaPorta. And I was like, all right, man. All <laughs> <like>, oh, right, <laughs> and and, and he, he was accurate and yeah,
2: once in a while you'll see you'll see him check it down a little earlier than you would maybe want, but that is that is a small price to pay uh for the way he's playing overall. And they're not asking him to do much. You you mentioned it, I love the way you put that, that they can slow the game down. And then, yeah, I watched that Seahawks-Lions game, and they can speed it up, too, when when they need to. And, that man, that's a dangerous thing to be as an offense, that you can play any type of way, depending on what type of game it is, what situation you're in. And I was surprised. Someone tweeted out, I think it was Pat Doherty at the end of the game. They came into this game 30th in expected pass rate, like in neutral situations, which means they, they are among the most run-heavy teams in the league, which is – surprising to me that's not their profile and that that's going up because they just ran the ball 43 times I, I mean I'd like to split up the carries a little more evenly just because 32 carries for David Montgomery uh coming off a couple weeks injured like that's not good for his long-term health and, and Jameer Gibbs was running well so I'd like to even that out but I can't fault him it was working that they were moving the ball and Montgomery was running well
0: yeah I think the 32 carries for David Montgomery might Stun a lot of people and disappoint a lot of Jameer Gibbs fantasy owners, but it makes a lot of sense for this game. For this game, Detroit knew that they were going to be the more physical team up front. I, I hear you,
2: but when when they're up by seventeen late, just yeah, give the last five to Gibbs. You're asking for an injury there, but I hear you. Continue on.
0: Yeah, they, it felt like late in the game they were kind of getting uh, Montgomery like, "Hey, we'll we'll throw you a little bit of a bone here. We'll get you over a But David Montgomery right now is the more physical runner between the tackles. That's where you know you can beat this Packers team. This Packers team, for having seven, eight, however many first-round picks they have on defense, the spine of that defense is really bad up up the middle. And it stuns me because you have guys like Kenny Clark, who is a very, very good player. You have Lucas Van Ness, who's made a lot of really nice moments in the run and pass game. Rashawn Gary still looks awesome. He he looked good tonight. He's looked good all year. This looks fantastic. But for some reason, this team is always bad against the run. And it goes back to, I mean, you got to look at coaching at that point. But the Lions know so well, like their bread and butter is built up front. And they can run every concept in the book. They mixed in outside zone with counter, power. They do everything everything. They throw the mm. literal kitchen sink at you because the offensive line can do everything.
2: This is like um just the Lions dream. Like last year on this podcast, uh we made them the uh the team of the around the NFL podcast. <laughs> and I said right afterwards like right after it ended, it ended on such a high big funk. I know you got the 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 sting back there that like I wanted to run it back. Let's just go. Let's just go a second time around. Make them the team uh, of the around the NFL podcast the second year. So we've never done that before.
1: Team of ATL. <laughs>
2: um, We might have to do it again. And even if we don't, I don't care. I'm going to enjoy the journey. It's fun, and you're seeing like really smart, smart guys who. Build the team in a certain way, but also coach the team in a certain way. And and guys out there just playing with all sorts of energy. And yeah, Ben Johnson, like that that early touchdown to Amon Ross, St. Brown. They they knew that what was coming. They knew they were going to burn Razul Douglas on that play. A- and they did it. And uh, that is awesome to see. One, one thing that was a little concerning, Brian Branch left this game, had an ankle injury that looked quite serious. He was carted off. He taped it up, returned to the game, but then left again. Uh, at the end, so hopefully he's okay. But otherwise, uh, Luke Musgrave had a concussion uh, in this game for the Packers. I hated to see that. Sam Laporta winning that kind of rookie tight end battle, another nice game for him, fifty six yards. Talk to me on Laporta before we get out of here because man, i I was I've been I was honking. I have a text thread with with Danny Kelly over at the ringer that is just about Sam Laporta uh, cause I was so big on Sam Laporta. And like at this point, I'm texting him saying like, I'm going to be texting
0: you when he's making his speech in Canton. That's the trajectory he's on right now. With the way that Sam Laporte has played for the first four weeks, I have never, ever, ever been more convinced that Brian Ferentz and the Iowa offense is an <laughs> offense, literally an offense to everything in football. How you're That's not true. able to get that guy more involved or get that guy more targets is wild to me. What the Lions have done, and it's so cool, just I think before the game, Next Gen Stats tweeted out that. Most of Sam Laporta's production has come on in-breaking routes. They know where his bread and butter is made after the catch, get the ball in his hands and let him run. And that's really what they're letting him do. You know, They've basically created another underneath intermediate area target for Jared Goff. But this time, you've given him a bigger body, someone who can move after the catch. The play that Goff threw to him over the middle, I think the Packers were in man coverage, He beats Mm -hmm. the linebacker, catches the ball, then breaks the linebacker's tackle, runs for another 20 yards. That's what Sam LaPorta can do, and that's what he's shown that he's been able to do. It provides not only a safety blanket for Jared Goff underneath, but another level of explosiveness that I really thought the Lions wouldn't be able to have with Jamison Williams out for the first six games of the season. But it just so happens that they have a 250-pound tight end who can also provide some of that.
2: Oh, they, need, they needed it, too, because you just looked with, you know, Reynolds is doing a nice job, and Ra- Khalif Raymond will pop up for a play or two, but it felt like they ne- needed someone else to throw to, and Laporta has just stepped right into that role, and, and I know Gibbs fantasy owners are frustrated, but I think his days will come, and the way they're using it, it's hard to really fault him, and even tonight, he picked up two key third downs, one as a receiver, one as a, a runner, where... He's running through that first tackle too, most of the time. So I like his day will come. I'm not worried uh, about him and and where they took him. They are they are loving life. Uh, I'm loving having you on, JP. We got to do this again. Uh, You're the man staying up late in Orlando. What's the Orlando NFL scene like? Like who who do people even root for in Orlando?
0: So it's a great. it's a very petri dish thing you know I see I see a lot of Buccaneers fans Tampa's like an hour hour and a half away so there's a lot of Buccaneers fans not a lot of Jacksonville fans considering but it's very heavy Tampa every every Tampa game is uh, broadcast locally and then they also get the Jaguars games but they're very much Tampa fans and you know with UCF being here it's a whole lot of Whole lot of knights and Buccaneers, which does not bode well for my FAU fandom and the Jacksonville Jaguars.
2: Oh, that's right, you, you are Mister FAU. I mean, it's going to be a little bit of a come down, I would think, after the the year you've had.
0: It's it's been a little bit of a come down, you know. You, <laughs> ride, you ride the high of the Final Four, and next thing you know, Clemson is blasting your favorite team on the ACC network. It's it's a little rough.
2: Um, but again, check out JP. Uh, he's doing great stuff at SB Nation. You can te- check them out uh, on Twitter at Acosta32 underscore JP. Uh, appreciate you. Appreciate the analysis and appreciate you breaking records. You got you to be the youngest person on the show that we've ever had because you just graduated I like two years ago. Lo- I love it. I love it. Like I said, thanks again to JP. That is it for us tonight. A great night if you're a fan of the Detroit Lions. Uh, Great night, uh, really, for America in general. We will be back on Sunday with the flagship show. Until then, heed the call.
0: Hey, everyone, Scott Hansen here, and this is NFL Plus, where you can catch every play all in one place. You get access to live, local, and primetime games on your mobile phone and tablet. That's every in-market game with you on the go. I never knew that was a thing. Oh, yeah? And here's my favorite
1: part. You can stream NFL Red Zone live every Sunday. What are you waiting for? Right now! Right now! Go to plus.nfl.com. Sign up
0: today. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 414 24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a straight talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.
1: Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Did you catch season three of this is digital season three of this is digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including digital lessons from the EV revolution and the chief digital officer's role in disruption and culture featuring guests like Ekta Chopra of elf beauty and Tyson Jomini of JD power. Do you have a digital mindset? Find out by checking out the latest and greatest on season three of this is digital and learn more at westmonroe.com.